Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. The phone number 877-973-7425. I, I got to begin the show with a tip of the hat to my buddy Chandler Brown over at Priority Jet. Uh, I, I got to tell you, that guy's wisdom on eating chili dogs at the Brave Stadium. I mean, y- y- y'all. They're actually quite good, the Chili Dogs of the Braves team. I discovered them two nights in a row. And my gosh, I mean, it's it's like you need a colonoscopy, you go have a Braves Chili Dog. 12 hours, almost like clockwork, after having a Chili Dog. Well, today's was a little bit delayed, but that's okay. It was the after effects. I had two last night. They were really good. But I'm just saying, too much information out of the gate, I realize. I'm just saying, he warned me. I thought it would be like an immediate effect. Nope. Nope, just set your watch 12 hours later, eat one of those chili dogs, you're good to go. Now, it's way more than you wanted out of the gate, isn't it? That's uh, Listen, you never know what I'm going to talk about. We're going to move on from that, but I just needed it documented. Now, I got to begin by, by uh, focusing on a, two stories, one of which I talked about the other day. I, You know, as you're on the bleeding edge here. I was lamenting to Philip. On the way into the studio today, I, I said, you know, the, this is the downside of what we do is all of the major headlines today, all of the major stories that are out there today are the stuff I've already talked about on radio. You're ahead of the curb. One of those stories that everybody's talking about today is this one from yesterday uh, by Edward Isaac DeVore at CNN. Two dozen leading Democratic politicians and operatives, as well as several within the West Wing, tell CNN they feel this goes deeper than questions of ideology and posture. Instead, it they say, it gets to questions of basic management. Rudderless, aimless, and hopeless is how one member of Congress described the White House. More than a week after the abortion decision, top Biden aides are still wrangling over releasing new actions in response, despite the draft decision leaking six weeks earlier. White House counsel Dana Remus had reassured senior aides the Supreme Court wouldn't rule on abortion that day. A White House press aide assigned to the issue was walking to get coffee when the alert hit. Several Democratic leaders privately mocked how the president stood in the foyer of the White House, squinting through his remarks from a teleprompter as demonstrators poured into the streets, making one vague promise of action because he and his aides hadn't decided on more. Inside the White House. Aides are exhausted from feeling forever on red alert, batting at a swarm of crises that keep growing, enough that White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre made an offhand joke about the constant 11th hour decision making in the building when under fire at a recent press briefing. Several officials say Biden's tendency to berate advisors when he's displeased with how a situation is being handled or when events go off poorly has trickled down the ranks in the West Wing, leaving several mid-level aides feeling blamed for failings. That's story one it hit yesterday. Now, today, there's an unbelievable story at Politico. Unbelievable story. Biden's laser focus on inflation rankles progressives inside administration. 
inside administration. Many progressives, including some within the administration itself, say Biden's all-out messaging war against spiking prices is making matters worse. They fear that the administration's unswerving support for the Federal Reserve's campaign to choke off inflation will slam the brakes on the economy and undercut the few things the White House has moving in its favor. Frustration among administration progressives boiled over at the end of May when Biden declared his laser focus on inflation while meeting at the White House with Fed Chair Jerome Powell and rolled out a plan to combat spiking prices. Biden backed the central bank's aggressive interest rate hikes, which are aimed at cooling the economy by any means necessary, including a recession. A lot of people were frustrated by the rollout and by the idea that we were going to try to Paul Volcker our way out of this problem, said a senior official. The official, who, like others inside the administration interviewed, declined to be identified by name, said the new messaging showed that people who are inherently cautious are dominating the internal debate, meaning the economic moderates. Now, now, um, let me do, hang on, let, let's do this. Nope. 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 I, I looked. I just did it again to make sure I didn't. Ron Klain and Kate Bedenfield are not mentioned in the story. That's really significant. Who do you think are the senior officials? Who do you think is likely? I thought it was Ron Klain. And then a buddy of mine pointed out, Kate Bedenfield walked off the job yesterday. Kate Bedenfield is the White House communications director. Someone is lamenting that the moderates have taken over control of the messaging and coincidentally, surprise, surprise, Kate Benfield is leaving today. But wait, there's more. Someone at CNN is lamenting the basic operational management at the White House. But they're attacking Joe Biden. They're not attacking Ron Klain. Why would they not attack the chief of staff? Again, go back to the CNN piece from yesterday. Two dozen leading Democratic politicians and operatives, as well as several within the West Wing, tell CNN they fear it goes deeper than questions of ideology and posture. It gets to questions of basic management. And yet none of these people are complaining about Ron Klain. They're complaining about Joe Biden. Ron Klain is the chief of staff. Everything ultimately goes through the chief of staff. 
Let me let me just to explain to you how White Houses tend to work. Now, there are varieties of ways. Donald Trump had a very open-door policy. Multiple people could come to Donald Trump. Uh, it became such a problem at one point. John Kelly, when he was White House chief of staff, had to crack down on it and limit access to the president. In the Biden White House, everything flows through Ron Klain. Joe Biden gets his information from Kate Bedenfield, from Ron Klain, and from Jill Biden. Jill. Everything flows through those three stop points, and they coordinate. And Ron Klain helps weed out decisions, making the basics, leaving the big decisions for Joe. So in terms of management and preparation, you got to have Ron Klain on board. Let me just, you know, let, let me back up and, and, and just talk about me for a second. Yeah, my favorite topic, of course. <laughs> so I've got I've got Charlie and I got Philip. And Charlie runs everything with radio. The, the man is a just gifted, gifted talent when it comes to being able to listen to radio and tell you what works and what doesn't and what you should fix and what you're doing too much of. It's just it really is fundamentally amazing um, how gifted he is. And so everything that happens with my radio business, from advertisers to affiliates, uh, do he, he's normally the call screener, but he's been on vacation. All, all that stuff, the, the sound and the feel of the show and all that goes to Charlie. All the digital stuff, the social media stuff, all, all of that, uh, Philip handles. And the two of them collaborate with me, and they both go together. And, and typically, when, when there's uh, – rarely is there a d- disagreement between the two. I, I vet the disagreement ultimately. But if anything, for the longest time until Philip came on board, Charlie was kind of like also chief of staff. Everything came through Charlie. I've got Jim who runs the board. I've got Candace who's my assistant. And and Charlie is the guy at the end of the day, if somebody's got a problem, if they can't get a hold of me, they get a hold of Charlie. And Charlie can make the decision. And I trust him explicitly, implicitly to make the decision. And generally, uh, when, when, when he disagrees with me, more often than not, well, I'm not going to say that I – Dang it, I'd walk myself into that son of a, wow, no, I'm not going to say that more often than not he's right. Not going to say that. But you get my point. You have someone who can call the shots for you, particularly, I mean, me, I, let, let's be honest here. I'm, I'm pretty much a nobody, but I have a lot of people who want attention, a lot of people who want my attention, a lot of people who want stuff from me. Uh, there are lots of opportunities out there. They've got to be vetted. They've got to be screened. If I spent all of my time doing that stuff, I would not put on a very good radio product. I got to think about the show and build the show and come up with the ideas for the show. I'm always thinking about the show. I'm always reading the headlines. People ask me how I do show prep. I'm never not doing show prep. So somebody's got to be there. Joe Biden, I'm a nobody. Joe Biden is the president of the United States, the leader of the free world. And he's an 80-year-old with limited bandwidth limited attention span, who gets exhausted and might not be all there. He's got to have a chief of staff who keeps the wheels on the bus. The wheels have come off the bus. And Ron Klain, we know, we we know from multiple reports, Ron Klain is headed out after the midterm. Ron Klain's done. And I just think it really is notable here that Ron Klain is not mentioned as someone for blame in any of these stories. Ron Klain is not mentioned, and he is the chief of staff. The blame is going to Joe Biden. But also, I think it's interesting 
that uh, you've got this Politico story today on inflation, and someone is venting that the moderates are now directing communication strategy on inflation and the economy. And surprise, surprise, Kate Bedenfield is leaving. It makes you wonder if Kate Bedenfield is a source, too. But it certainly sounds like Ron Klain is in uh, CYA mode on his way out the door. But wait, there's more. Democrats running in Republican-leaning Ohio, according to Bloomberg, snub Biden. When President Biden visited Ohio on Wednesday, the top Democrats seeking statewide office in November both had other places to be. Democratic Senate hopeful Tim Ryan and gubernatorial aspirant Nan Whaley's decisions to steer clear of the president in a state Biden lost by more than eight points in 2020 exposes a gap between how the White House views Biden's political clout and the view for candidates on the ground. There are no accidents when it comes to campaigns, says Nathan Gonzalez, editor of the nonpartisan analysis publication Inside Elections. The bottom line is that if President Biden was politically more popular, you'd see candidates willing to appear with him. It wasn't a first for Biden, who's visited Ohio six times as president. Ryan and Whaley were also absent in May when he toured a manufacturing facility in suburban Cincinnati and demanded Congress pass legislation to make the U.S. more competitive with China. It was the same story in February when he went to Ohio. Joe Biden has a 39% approval rating in the state. Democrats want campaign with him, and now Democrats inside this White House are throwing him under the bus. They're not throwing Ron Klain under the bus. Joe Biden's own staff are throwing him under the bus. At what point do we start asking ourselves, does Biden survive until 2024? My gosh, the media today is all out there about Boris Johnson resigning. Would Trump have done this? If Trump's candidate left, would Trump have done this? Would he have stayed or would he have resigned? After one year in office, according to uh, Christian Daytok at, at the Washington Examiner, after one year in office, President Joe Biden's White House staff shrank at a significantly faster rate than the staffs of his immediate predecessors. The White House has been required to publish its full payroll dating back to 1995. In total, 2022's report lists 474 people employed, 16 of whom are listed as unpaid detailees, fellows, policy staffers, and a staff secretary. The report shows a 15% decrease in the total number of White House staff. 15%. It only shrank 4% the first year in Trump's administration and in Obama's administration, 15% out the door in Biden's administration. What is going on? Who are the senior staffers leaking, attacking Joe Biden? Why are they not naming Kate Bedenfield and Ron Klain unless they themselves are sources in the White House attacking their boss? Listen, I realize it's a podcast ad, but it's also true. I do sleep under bull and branch sheets every night. They are noticeable, distinct there. They've got a great weight to them. They've got a great softness to them, and they get softer over time. They use the best 100% organic cotton threads on the planet for superior softness and a better night's sleep. 
They're soft to start with. They get softer. They've also got a great weight. They're not too light. They're not too heavy. They keep you cool in the summer, warm in the winter. They're just perfect sheets, really. They use the highest quality threads there are. They're beloved even by three U.S. presidents. They got over 10,000 stellar reviews. And you can feel the difference of their iconic signature sheets pretty immediately. Bull and Branch even gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns on all orders. The annual summer event is starting soon, but Bull and Branch is giving you guys exclusive early access before anyone else to 20% off with promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bowlandbranch.com. It is their best offer of the year before the holidays, so you need to act now. Again, you guys, my listeners of The Eric Erickson Show, get this exclusive early access, and you get to save 20% with promo code ERIC. It's Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, for 20% off. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. So... This uh, real nut job named Candace Taylor ran for governor in Georgia. I mean, woman, wow. She's a little out there. She's refused to concede, even though, I mean, she barely registered as a, as a candidate. She's refused to concede due to uh, discrepancies in the polling or whatnot. She's just fringe candidate, uh, made a stink of it. Uh, the real true believers in, in stolen election all went with her. Um, and even if she wasn't there, Purdue wouldn't have won. But nonetheless, uh, she she went on some rampage about the something called the Georgia Guidestones. I had never even heard of the Georgia Guidestones until she made some stink about them, uh, that they were satanic or some such. And I've been reading up on them. And so uh, years ago, some uh, nut job anonymously gave money. To have the guidestones built. And it was clearly a wackadoo progressive with a lot of money because he intended uh, to, I mean, he basically put up some sort of uh, neo pagan 1970s hippie um, spiel. They were erected in 1980. Let me, uh, this is what the inscription reads in English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, traditional Chinese, and Russian. Uh, Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Unite humanity with a living new language. Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Protect people and nations with fair laws. Let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Avoid petty laws, useless officials. Balance personal rights with social duties. Prize truth. Be not a cancer on the earth. Well, some people think Satan himself paid to build them. Someone blew them up after all the stink about them. I don't really care, but when we come back, there is a point that has to be made on these Georgia Guidestones things. Hello there. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Now, I uh, I want to read uh, some of Wikipedia. Yep, I'm I'm giving it credit. Uh, in June of 1979, a man using the pseudonym Robert C Christian 
approach the Elberton Granite Finishing Company on behalf of a quote-unquote small group of loyal Americans and commissioned the Georgia Guidestones. Christian explained the stones would function as a compass, calendar, and clock and should be capable of withstanding catastrophic events. The man reportedly used the pseudonym as a reference to his Christian religion. You wouldn't know it by what he carved on the stones. Christian said he wanted a granite monument built that could rival Stonehenge. John Finley of Elbert and Granite assumed Christian was a nut and attempted to discourage him by providing a price quote for the commission, which was several times higher than any project the company had previously taken, explaining that the guidestones would require additional tools and consultants. But the guy accepted the quote. When arranging payment, Christian said he represented a group that was planning the guidestones for 20 years and wanted to remain anonymous. He developed a scale model of the guidestones and 10 pages of specifications. A five-acre site was purchased in October of 1979 from a farm owner, Wayne Mullenix. Mullenix and his children were given lifetime cattle grazing rights at the guidestone site. Finley believed the monument would become a tourist attraction. The monument was unveiled by Congressman Doug Bernard to an audience of two to 300 people. Christian later transferred ownership of the land to Elbert County. They get about 20,000 annual visitors. I, honest to goodness, I never heard. I think I, I heard passing reference to them once, but I didn't know what they were. A message consisted of a set of 10 guidelines or principles. They were engraved on the guidestones in eight different languages, one language on each face of the four large upright stones. Moving clockwise from due north, they were English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, traditional Chinese, and Russian. The languages chosen because they represented most of humanity. Hebrew chosen because of its connection to Judaism and Christianity. Now, here's uh, let me read you in full what these inscriptions say. You can tell whoever carved these is one of those like neo-pagan hippies from the 1970s. Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Unite humanity with a living new language. Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. Balance personal rights with social duties. Prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. A few feet west of the monument, there's an additional granite ledger set level with the ground. It identifies the structure and the languages and lists various facts about the size, weight, astronomical features of the stones, the date it was installed, the sponsors of the project, refer to a time capsule buried under the tablet, but blank spaces on the stone intended for filling in the dates on which the capsule were buried and opened weren't inscribed, so it's uncertain if the time capsule is actually there. And then it says, let these, the guide stones... Let these be guidestones to an age of reason. 
Now, here's the thing. You can tell it was a wackadoo rich person who did this because, one, a no poor person has the money to do it, and no poor person has the time to think about nonsense like this. This had to be some rich person with time on their hands coming up with it. But ever since, there's been this real weird um, aversion to it from crazy people. Crazy attracts crazy. And for every crazy action, there's an equal and opposite crazy reaction. And so the crazies have come out about these. There have been um, people who claimed uh, that they were the Ten Commandments of the Antichrist. There have been people who claimed that they were satanic. Some one of the guidestones smashed into a million pieces and the rubble used for a construction project. Uh, a, a Luciferian secret society built them. I mean, the whole thing's just essentially it was a crazy person with a lot of money who was definitely on the left came up with this idea and inspired a bunch of other crazy people. Now, all that being said, Candace Taylor, who was running for governor in Georgia, also crazy person and crazy begats crazy. And Candace Taylor decided to tweet and attack uh, the Guidestones and said she would stand up to the Luciferian cabal and bring the satanic regime to its knees in an uh, attack on Georgia. Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, she called for the destruction of the Georgia Guidestones. Well, someone's blown up the Georgia Guidestones. They, they set a small explosive device. Part of them blew up. They had to be torn down. They became unstable and had to be toppled. They're gone now. Now, I don't actually care about the story per se, but I've had to spend time with you on this to set up the real point here. After, by the way, they blew up, um, Candace Taylor went on social media and said, God is God all by himself. He can do anything he wants to do. That includes striking down satanic guidestones. I guess she thinks God planted the bomb. I, I don't know. I mean, there are a couple of points here. One of these is crazy begats crazy. I mean, the Bible tells you don't surround yourself with fools or you will become a fool. Don't uh, ingest foolishness because it will make you foolish. When you start dwelling on crazy, you're going to sound crazy. And these guidestones were magnets for crazy people. But this is why I'm spending a little more time on this. The Northern District of Georgia's U.S. Attorney says that uh, there will be a prosecution. That the person who did this could get 20 years in prison. Surveillance footage showed a sharp explosion blowing one panel to rubble before 4 a.m. Investigators released a video of a silver sedan leaving the monument. After prior vandalism, video cameras connected to the state's emergency dispatch center had been stationed at the site. The Northern District U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Georgia says this person can be charged with a federal crime and be put in jail for 20 years. Why? I need you to pay attention to me now as I get close to the microphone and expand my voice. How many progressives have you seen 
tearing down monuments around this country, and they never went to jail. I mean, some crazy nutter blew up the Georgia Guidestones. Well, I saw a bunch of crazy nutters storming streets in 2020, tearing down monuments that they didn't like, and uh, a lot of them didn't go to jail, never got prosecuted. Uh, one guy got got uh, charged with disorderly conduct, and that's it. We had all of these rioties. Remember that when you had college students tearing down statues on campuses, no arrests made. Now it's it's not a U.S. attorney; it's the the district attorney for the Northern Judicial Circuit in Georgia says the person who bombed the guidestones will face a minimum of twenty years in prison. What about all the college kids? who blew up statues they didn't like, whether they were Confederate monuments or a founding fathers and the like? What about all the people who burned down storefronts across America? Now, here there is some nuance here. Because this is a local district attorney in the state of Georgia. I said it wrong. I said it was federal. It's local. This is a, a local district attorney who's going to prosecute. And in Georgia, by and large, they have been aggressive in this. But what about the city of Atlanta? The city of Atlanta decided to blame the police for a bunch of stuff, and yet all the riots in the northern financial sector of, of Atlanta called Buckhead smashed windows and storefronts. A lot of those people never held accountable. So we're going to come after some nutter who blew up some random stupid monument that no one in America knew existed except for the other nutters who listened to fringe sites. And yet we have all these college kids who go around the country tearing down monuments around the country. And the Biden administration says, we've had now more than a dozen pro-life pregnancy centers around the country firebombed or otherwise vandalized in the past couple of weeks. Not a single damn person has been arrested. Are they going to come after this? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't prosecute this person. But I do think it's worth pointing out the double standard. The left in this country sure doesn't like the pursuit of justice when pursuing justice means coming after their side. But some, and you know it was a right-wing wackadoo because it's always been these right-wing wackadoos who are obsessed with this. The, the, I mean, there are nuts on the right. Let's just acknowledge it, people. Let's be fair here. Let's be intellectually honest. And the left sure does want those people to go to jail. But the people who burn down storefronts in Waukesha, the people in Minneapolis who burned down small businesses and ransacked the city, the people who stormed through Washington, D.C. and San Francisco, smashing windows, ransacking places. Oh, no, we, we can't. They were disturbed by George Floyd's death. We have to understand their anger and give them a pass. The people tearing down, burning down, and throwing paint at crisis pregnancy centers around the country. Oh, they're doing Yahweh, Modoc, Molor, somebody fringes job. In the name of the God who doesn't exist, they're doing the righteous cause. The pagans are happy to burn. Isn't it just astonishing? The pagans. They want to fund Planned Parenthood and shut up the pregnancy centers that actually want to help women who are pregnant. 
You got Elizabeth Warren out there today calling for them to be shuttered nationally, calling for laws that essentially say you cannot have a pregnancy center that helps pregnant women unless you're willing to kill the child. They give all that crap a pass. They turn a blind eye towards it. Justice itself is supposed to be blind. Yes, they should find the wackadoo nut job who blew up this monument. They should bury whoever it is under the jail. Justice demands it. Deterrence demands it. I think you would deter a lot of mass shooters if you had them executed within six months of the mass shooting instead of letting them sit in jail for 40 years and feeding them. Justice is blind. The left has slowed it down in this country and made it look with one eye towards things the left likes so that they can turn a blind eye towards their own side's violent behavior while they obsess about this stuff. And you know what the effect is? It makes everyone else in the country disrespect law, order, and justice and think it's all political. And increasingly, it is political. And almost always, the media ignores it when the double standard benefits the left and it makes people cynical and it degrades our trust in institutions. The very thing the media is complaining about today, distrust of institutions at an all-time high. Well, can you blame people for distrusting the institutions who pick and choose based on politics which people to prosecute and punish for tearing down statues and monuments? No, I don't think you can. And then they go out there and wreck the economy. And they want to blame the other side. You know, now is the time to protect your retirement savings, giving all this wrecking of the economy people are doing out there. You probably need to consider gold and silver because, you know, listen, for the last 20, 30 years, we haven't been in the Carter era economy and suddenly we're back. And during the Carter era economy, gold and silver could actually help stem the ebbs and flows of your 401k, your IRA, your retirement savings, whatever it is. If you got $50,000 or more set aside, you probably want to think about it. Call my friends at GoldCo, 855-904-5933. You'll get their free wealth protection kit. Learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call my friends at GoldCo. Find out how you qualify for their special offer. They've helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation, stock market crashes, all the economic turmoil out there. Call Gold Co. Text my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Text Eric to 33777. I will text you back Gold Co.'s number so you can reach out to them. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan Nationwide. They want to help your business grow. If you need big deals because you're a big deal, you need access to large loans, $750,000 or up, reach out to First Liberty. Anywhere in the nation, they can help your business. They make their own decisions. They've been doing it since the 90s. They know the ropes. They want to get to yes where banks say no. Their contact info is at firstlibertyga.com. I don't care if you're in Portland, Oregon, or you're in, I don't know, Springfield, Illinois. Don't let it be a deterrent that they're in Georgia. They're they're in Georgia, but they can help you nationwide, and they want to. Firstlibertyga.com is their website. Get their contact info. Spend 10 minutes with them. Tell them I sent you. Good people. Um, a, a, my buddy Thucydides, that's actually his real name. Uh, his mother married a Greek who loved philosophy and math and decided he needed to be named Thucydides. He got beat up as a kid. Now he calls himself Thew, but his real name is Thucydides. But Thew, he texted me 
and sent me this link. Man who burned Kenosha Furniture Store during 2020 riots gets three and a half years in prison. A man will serve three and a half years in prison for starting the fire that destroyed the furniture store during on the day Jacob Blake was shot. Devin Vaughn, 23, of Racine, Wisconsin, pleaded guilty in March to conspiring to commit arson. Several buildings were set ablaze. He will get two years of supervised release and have to pay more than $1.7 million in restitution. Prosecutors had recommended five years. And someone's going to get 20 years for blowing up a stupid piece of granite in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, that hardly any people go visit? Really? I mean, that seems kind of dumb to me on its face. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. The person needs to go to jail. They should be found and go to jail. But 20 years, really? That's that's where we're headed? Uh, I just, I, this is this is why people these days kind of scratch their heads. You know another reason people scratch their heads at justice? Did y'all know uh, Ghislaine Maxwell has gone to prison for human trafficking to no one? She was Jeffrey Epstein's partner in crime. It is remarkable to me that a media that is obsessed with the idea that democracy dies in the darkness is completely oblivious to the fact that this woman has gone to prison for trafficking girls to apparently no one because no one's ever ever come out and identified the people she was trafficked to. I, I thought these people like to stand up to the rich and powerful. Why don't you stand up? Why don't you ask tough questions of Bill Gates? who apparently was regularly with Jeffrey Epstein, who had to have seen stuff, who has always come out and denied it, and everyone who knows anything about Jeffrey Epstein says if you were hanging out with him at all, you knew there was creepy stuff up because he was always with young girls. So you got the, the Bill Gates's of the world, the Bill Clintons of the world, the Donald Trumps of the world. Why aren't people asking them questions? What did they know? What did they see? There are a whole lot of people out there with longtime ties to Epstein and Maxwell, and the media has just suddenly become absolutely uncurious about all of it.